And welcome back. This is Focus Target, the podcast. As always, I am Smiley, joined with my friends, Shy and Van. How are you guys Hello. doing today? Good evening. You don't mind that I call you my friends, do you? I mean, I wouldn't want to, hmm. you know, miss, miss, put a misnomer out there. As long as we're all cool with it, I guess I'll just go ahead. Uh, so today, we're going to talk a little bit about mobile gaming. And mobile gaming uh, has kind of grown into a, a very large phenomena in today's culture and it has a lot of different subsections so for the first part of the podcast we're going to speak pretty specifically about games on that you would play on your phone on your iphone or your android uh and then in the second half of the show we'll kind of get into the handheld consoles like your ps vita or your nintendo 3ds or things of that nature and maybe do a little bit of comparison uh but before before we get into all that uh, we do have a couple little things like we like to do at the beginning of the show and the first thing is some cleanup from last time uh, van i believe you had something on day z that you wanted to clarify from our last podcast yeah, there was a um, section that we we're talking about with regards to Daisy, as, as uh, Smiley just mentioned, where I mentioned both Bohemia and Bethesda, and obviously they sound so similar. I was unsure of which uh, company uh, or publisher developer it was, so I wanted to just fact check that, and sure enough, um, Daisy was picked up by Bohemia after being a private mod by Dean Hall. Actually, hired Dean Hall as well to work on it, but the company was Bohemia. Thanks, Smiley. Right, Bethesda is uh, of Fallout fame and uh, the Elder Scrolls games very well-known company and so easy to easy to get confused uh the other thing i'd like to to mention just to give you all fair warning and a heads up um previously this show has been hosted almost exclusively on um on youtube uh the data has been hosted on soundcloud but a lot of you i know find us on on our youtube page but we are uh getting ready to migrate over we have actually put our podcast on itunes that means we made it guys we're official Yay. No, not, uh, thank you. Appreciate so that. excited. Um, so because of this, we're not going to continue to dual host our podcast. We're just going to have it go through iTunes. You can also get it if you have an iPhone. You can get it through the podcast application on your phone, which I believe comes default on all iPhone 6 and later. Maybe even iPhone 5 and later. I'm not even sure. Um, so so check that out. We're going to continue to have the, the um, episodes. This episode and our next episode will continue to be on uh, YouTube just to get give a little buffer space between you can go out to itunes right now and download this or some of our previous episodes as well um, but we are going to get ready to, to move over there so we want to give you guys a heads up uh, before we get into mobile, ga- mobile gaming and our discussion thereof uh, we have the outstanding item of the question of the day and so today's question of the day is what rpg archetype do you tend to play first in an RPG, whether that's an MMO RPG or otherwise? Maybe you have different answers for different types. Um, to clarify to anyone who's not as familiar with RPG archetypes, um, generally there are there are kind of a, a big three of class categorizations. Those being tank, who is the uh, the player who kind of tries to grab the attention of the enemies that you fight and keep the rest of the party from taking damage. Healer who goes out and uh, keeps the party alive with with healing and supportive magic, or the quote-unquote DD or damage dealer or DPS, which is the the physical or magical attackers. Uh, There's some kind of bifurcations and subcategories under each of those, but uh, uh, those are the kind of big three. But uh, what do you think? Let's start with uh, Shy today. Shy, what uh, RPG archetype do you like to play when you, uh, and when I, when I say play, I mean first. So your first playthrough and your first jumping into a game, what's kind of your strategy and what do you like to, what, what do you like to run? Yeah, so um, getting very specific, I, 
I've always favored um, bow or gun users, so a ranged DPS, but not magic. <laughs> um, I actually, I actually have traditionally hated magic users. Um, it yeah, is a strong. That's word, hurtful. Shot. It is. That no, is like, very hurtful. And, and I think shot. hate is. I think hate is maybe a strong word. I've, I, I've. Um, it's maybe not hate, but I, I, I definitely like stay away from them. Uh, there's been like. Um, and maybe, uh, to be honest, maybe growing up in a conservative home that uh, that kind of like plays a part of that. But uh, I don't know. Like, like I think part of it is just like I feel like magic is cheap. You know, like being able to like pull from this force that's like unnatural is like you know, like it's a lot more, a lot more you know, brave to just use a bow and arrow or uh, you know, are you like saying to associate magic with the devil? Is that the problem here? <laughs> no, I wanted no, to tell it no, to tell it no, to Luke Skywalker. Uh, um. But uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely a range DPS, but more of like a physical range DPS, not 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 non magical. And I think uh, I also didn't know like I, I think I figured we'd talk about combat, but I also like obviously archetypes could could apply to both like a like a dark or like a light path as well. Yes, you know, like how like cunning or and so definitely play like the good guy. It's very hard, to, which is always interesting playing like Bioware RPGs because uh, you know there's some very interesting like dark choices you can make. But uh, the first playthrough, I always have to play like the good guy. I just can't. I mean, I can't be that. I, I can't be that I jerk. Thought of that angle, um, but that's that's a good thing to add to this. So, Van, uh, what about you? I'd like to hear your RPG archetype, and I'd like to hear what Shy tacked on. Like, do you generally go good or evil on your first playthrough if given well, the choice? Evidently, I'm a monster. I'm a demonologist. I have worshipped the devil on the weekends yeah. when you yeah, guys nice. when I'm not playing Battlefront with you guys. Yeah. Um, but which is ironic because if I Confirm. were to, you carrying a weekend on your backpack. <laughs> Out of the good guy, bad guy um, topic, I, I actually uh, traditionally choose good guy. Um, I know a lot of games, especially MMOs now, they have um, opposing factions, and you can always tend to tell like what faction is lighthearted and hopeful and you know friendly, and then which which one wants to basically destroy the entire world, including the light faction. I'll tend to uh, gravitate towards the light faction with regards to the good and evil. With that being said, I'm also a a, a demon worshipper, and the fact that um, I. At first, I thought, you know what? I don't really have an archetype. I play tank. I play, um, you know, uh, DD or DPS, like you were mentioning. And I also play healer. And another term that you may hear us throw around is Holy Trinity, um, or gamers throw around is Holy Trinity. And that's what they're talking about is those three that, that Smiley talked about. Um, but so I started thinking about all the games I was playing. And ultimately, what I always came down to was was a ranged caster or ranged mage or you know so black mage with regards to Magic final user. fantasy yep. exactly terra um i believe had the sorcerer and things like that so all these games that i that i played i just started listing down all the jobs that i played and which ones i played longer than the other ones and it turns out that um this question was enlightening for myself in the fact that i was able to establish that i do gravitate towards um a mage a ranged caster a magic user for the good guys yeah, i mean that if you had asked me you know, from the games you've played with me, what do I usually start as? Uh, and I'm always, I, I would peg you as a mage. So, so I think that's a fair analysis. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for myself, uh, and hear me out here, I was raised f from an RPG standpoint by my stepdad, Dearly Departed, who kind of taught me the ways of the, of the RPG grind where, you know, you fight through and you, you build up your levels and, and you, especially coming from my first RPG, which was Final Fantasy 1, that was a game where you really tended to um, save your magical charges for the boss or for um, dangerous encounters, mm. right? So, so in that game, you tended to auto-attack 
most of the time you just would use the fight command and you'd save your abilities and your spells and things like that for for important encounters and that's how i approach most rpgs i'm not the kind of player who you know is casting magic willy-nilly throughout the dungeon like i'm gonna fight through with the bare minimum (laughs) so that when i get when i get to the (laughs) boss room i have like a fully loaded gun essentially to get give him everything i've got and what that leads to is generally i have like a shit ton of magic left over that i never used but that's neither here nor there (laughs) i think because of that because my idea is that i tend to fight first and cast magic as a reserve i almost always go with a, a like a melee dps a frontline uh physical fighter because i feel like they're the best at doing just that like if i'm gonna spend 85 percent of the game using the fight command i want my fight command to be as powerful as possible um and so that's kind of how i approach it so i, I generally am, am a frontliner and maybe you know, maybe that's one of the reasons that, that the three of us play well together is because we don't step on each other's <laughs> toes class-wise. You know, we kind of all have our own or, niche. Or are we a product of playing together? And that's why Perhaps. we choose what we do. Maybe we've been pushed that way. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like when I think about when we first started playing together, what were our jobs? Van, you and I were both black mages, but yeah. I went over to Warrior pretty shortly thereafter and was a career warrior in Final Fantasy XI. And Shy was a Corsair and a Ranger. Like so, I, those are the two jobs I remember him on the most. I, so. I wonder though. I think Van may have a good point, but maybe like, what if we're not a product of what we are? But maybe that's how we work so well. Like, like not yeah. a product, but you I mean like maybe that's why we party so much together to form the fr- friendship that we, we have. Had, because, because it worked out. The, we all yeah. complimented each other, and like, yeah, we could form parties easily with all of us involved. And therefore, oh my god, I'm getting a boner right now. Uh, this has weird. been the um, most enlightening question of the day we've <laughs> what about, had yet. Uh, what about your moral choices, Smiley? I don't think you, oh, uh, you touched uh, good, on that. Definitely good. I always go full good first. Um, and, and the reason for that uh, also, I think, is, I think back to like the infamous games, which are games that had mm. that moral compass and that if you wanted to get 100% trophies, you had to play through both sides. And you also had to play through on usually the, the hardest difficulty as well. So usually in most games that have that sort of um, dichotomy, I will play a good character. I will 100% as much as I can. I will... Um, do it on the easiest level or, or a normal level or whatever and kind of get as much done as I can. And then once I'm really comfortable with the game and just plan to run through it on the on a harder difficulty level, I'll play the evil side because I feel like the evil side tends to... Um, <laughs> tends to be a little bit easier in a lot of cases. So yeah. it kind of facilitates that that two-playthrough idea that like I'm going to be as thorough as possible and pay attention to the story as much as I can and play a good character. And then when I'm just trying to trash everything and go through without really thinking about it, I'll do the evil side. Plus, we play video games you know, as a fantasy. And, and in the real world, I mean, we know where Smiley stands, so of course he's going to go to the good people in a video game. <laughs> I don't understand. Do you say I'm a good person? No. I'm no, saying you're but, a bad person. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you try okay. to get your good stuff in when you're playing video oh, games so you can right. see what it's like. <laughs> okay. See, you're living vicariously through your, your pixels <laughs> well, on your I was, screen. I was confused because I was like, you can't be complimenting me. What am I missing here? <laughs> okay, glad I had it right. All right, well, that's our question of the day. If you have a question of the day that you'd like to submit to us, please feel free to do so uh, in the comments. You can add comments or reviews on... Uh, on YouTube or I'm on YouTube yes and and on uh, our podcast on iTunes I believe there's a uh, a place where you can rate us and, and add comments so uh, however you want to get in contact with us we'll have our full contact information after the show but we'd love to hear from you if you have an idea for a question of the day so 
let's talk about mobile gaming because mobile gaming has really become a big deal. Not just in the fact that a lot of people are playing it, but in that it's it's gotten the attention of major gaming companies. Like, you know, some of the biggest players in the space are paying attention to that because so much money is being made on a lot of different handheld devices. Um, so let's talk about why, first of all, mobile gaming has become so huge. Um, there's uh, Obviously, there's a lot of reasons. I think the obvious one is that everybody has a cell phone now. I mean, Shai, do you know anybody in your life who doesn't have a cell phone? Like, like probably even your grandparents. Smartphone? smartphone, yeah. I actually do. Maybe a couple um, people? Yeah, I've seen a couple people actually recently use a, a dumb phone. I'm like, hmm, that's... Well, what's I mean, asked about it. No, like perceived yeah. demographic. I know, I know. Like it was the reason I was talking to someone my age who was using a dumb phone, and I had talked to him. But I was like, "Why? You know, you didn't want to get a smartphone." He's like, yeah, "I just don't feel like I need it." You know, like I just, it's not something I feel like essential. But it's that's the vast minority, right? Like the fact that I can think of one person out of like everybody, you know, well, and, and, you, and you regularly. noticed it and remarked exactly. On it, it was like, obvious, wow. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Van, I'm sure you're living in California. Do they even allow dumb phones in that state? <laughs> no, I think um, I think most people have three. Smartphones, <laughs> an Android, an iPhone, and then a backup just in case one breaks. A, a Windows phone just for a the, Windows the phone. occasional <laughs> Google, Google phone. Let's, let's be real, guys. Nobody has a Windows phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so I mean that that's part of it, right? Part of it is that everybody has a cell phone. So if you're a marketing person or just a business analyst, you say, "How do we want to reach people?" You can. You've. You've. Everybody has the consoles. Like with with a PlayStation Vita or a uh, Nintendo DS you have to rely on people to shell out the money for this console to then develop games on it as a game from a game developing standpoint on a phone you know everybody already has it it's available to like 90% of the planet at this point so obviously there's a huge there's a huge um you know uh gosh i i cut out my thought whatever I, I just think that like the 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 cost of doing business there is is nil. Like all, all you have to do is get the people to want to play it. Like you exactly. don't have to invest anything in the hardware. The hardware is already there, and the hardware itself has advanced to the point now that a cell phone is capable of running quality games. You know, this isn't like the old phones of the '90s where you had Snake and. <laughs> Which was an amazing snake. game, by the I way. Love, I, was. Was just, I was just telling my girlfriend the other day that I fucking miss my oh, snake sorry, game ladies. on he has the a girlfriend. other. Oh yeah, Have, has the illusion been shattered? Oh dear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that was man. I used to play hours, hours at the boba shop and just sitting there with Snake, dude, and battling with your friends. Snake, and was you a weren't great connected, game. and you, you weren't multiplayer, oh. but you were literally sitting next to each other playing Snake at the same time and bragging about how long you got your Snake, giggity. <laughs> Do you guys remember the? I uh, brag about that all the time. <laughs> you guys remember like programmable uh, games on TI eighty three computers in like math class? Like, yes. People would, like program like yes. space shooter like style games. Where you, oh man, that, that was that was so fun back in those days. So we've gotten to that for, to the point where now on cell phones, a lot of even up through PlayStation era games have been ported over. Um, the games are getting more and more complex, and and so that so now the technology is there. Everybody has the phone, um, uh, and also. There's a lot of the, the 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 ability to create an app or a game on a phone is a lot more accessible to to developers. You don't have to be part of you know Square Enix or Nintendo to make a cell phone game. Like anybody can with with a rudimentary programming knowledge. Um, obviously, you know the the production value may suffer, but like I've seen some really cool games on the phone that's been made by just like a guy who 
you know, it was like, hey, I coded this because I thought it'd be cool. No, I mean, it makes it a lot easier for just anybody to go out there. And, and, and so that just makes the market full of, of, of a lot of different indie games. Um, and then finally, um, why is mobile, mobile gaming become so huge? Because there is a demand and it is a profitable business. Um, and we're going to get into that soon. But people have figured out that uh, games on phones can be gold mines. And that's the reason I think we're seeing a lot of these bigger companies try to elbow their way into the space and say, hey, th there's a big pie out here and we want a piece of it. So let's talk a little bit about the type of games that are out there for phones. There's really three types uh, that we could think of of games uh, for for mobile gaming. There's traditional games that you would buy um, for for a fee, kind of the way you, you purchase console or computer games. So you shell out $9.99 and you download a full game and, and that's what you get. There's subscription games where you pay a certain amount a month uh, or, you know, for you know for you know uh, subsequent content and and you get the game kind of more in bite-sized pieces that way or or just pay to to continue to play it i think both of those i think are maybe on i mean this is a subscription one i don't think is as possible or uh, i'm sorry as uh prominent right now what yeah. do you guys think the, the like, subscription you one don't is see more... a lot of them right you don't see them um for gaming but however you do see a lot of subscription-based mobile applications yes yeah. oh, absolutely. so sure, word sure. processing calculators stuff like that but yeah. or um, calendars password keepers things like that but not password puzzles. not with regards to video games you're absolutely right and then also the traditional purchases um it's commonly referred to in your cell phone purchases as a premium purchase yes premium purchase yeah yeah, yeah. Well, one interesting thing is I think that we're starting to see, I notice when I look at mobile game, like the app stores, there's a lot more like MMO-styled games starting to come out. So I wonder if that subscription model will start picking up. But then again, it mm. seems like even an MMO is subscription, the subscription model, model is dying. So maybe, maybe yeah. the subscription model is really going, going, out, going out the window. Well, and the reason for that, the reason that those two have kind of decreased a little bit is because the third type is the free-to-play or freemium type game. And and that seems to be not only where the popularity is, but that's because that's where the money is. And we're going to spend a little time talking about that because I think that's really the big, the big segment of this market. So the freemium game, a free-to-play game, is a game that you can download for free. And I'm sure you've seen commercials on TV, things like Clash of Clans uh, or, or Bomb Beach. I know they had a bunch of uh, marketing amp campaigns. Uh, game of War is all over the, t all over the television ad space. Um, and, and it always says download to, for free, free-to-play, play for free. And what does this mean? Van, why don't you tell us what this means? What does it so, mean that you can play for free? Yeah, so so it it is essentially exactly that, that you can play the game for free. Um, I don't want to refer to it as a light version because the light version is a little bit different. But what you're able to do is download the entire game in its entirety, um, play the game, um, essentially complete every task on that that is required of you. However, you are time-stopped or money stopped or some other form of stopped basically that you can accomplish everything in the game that you need to however you're going to do it at their schedule when they say you can versus you speeding up the time and, and i'm sure we'll get into microtransactions and things like that later but you can download the whole game you could play it in its base form you can most likely complete everything that most other people can however you're not going to be able to do it as quickly as efficiently have the best weapon to do so like other people um could 
That's right. And the reason that, and so maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, if it's free to play, how are they making so much money? And what that comes down to, which Van hit on, is, is one of two ways. It all comes down to microtransactions. And what this usually entails is one of two things. Either you've got um, in-game purchases, so you can buy in-game items with real currency, or you can buy an in-game currency that usually will speed up your progress so that you can... Um, you know, you can do things faster. You can you, you you don't have to wait for something to recharge. And and a lot of these free to play games can be very misleading because they do give you the entire the entire game and and if you are patient enough you don't have to pay for a thing. But on the other hand a lot of them uh you know say you can only do X actions per hour or you know you have 10 stamina and that stamina recharges one every five minutes but if you want to recharge it now you got to pay 99 cents um, i think candy crush is one of the most popular uh freemium games that uses this model where you can um where i i haven't played it myself but from what i understand you um whenever you die or whenever you you fail the puzzle um you have to use a life in order to try again and those lives only recharge every you know so often and so if you want to keep playing if you fail a level and you want to try to keep playing and get to the next level got to shell out some money uh, or wait you know a long amount of time so if you're asking yourself you know yeah it, this and what he's referring to is, is microtransactions and if you ask yourself yeah microtransaction micro small like how are the companies really making money or is it even po profitable um, just to put things into perspective um, Candy Crush was just purchased by Activision for 5.9 billion dollars with a b 5.9 billion dollars for this game that that was uh created as a mobile video game yeah and the reason is again going back to some of the things we talked about before right mobile gaming has become huge and candy crush is a very very popular game a bunch of people have it and so even if only you know if you if you have you know two to three million players of a game like you don't need that much even if only let's say you have three million only a third of them know pay at all the rest of them are free to play and they only spend maybe a dollar a day to play it that's a million dollars a day like you know those are numbers i just made up but 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 you can see how quickly even a 99 cent purchase can escalate if you have a lot of players over a decent period of time uh Shai, i want to ask you about microtransactions because i know you're somebody who has has made some microtransactions maybe not in mobile games but in like rpgs that have a cash shop um you know you have some experience there with with uh you know purchasing in-game items do you not i do yeah and i mean i my, my view normally is i tend to uh if I'm going to play a game and I'm going to put a significant amount of time into it, I want to like, I want to support the developer and I want to feel like, <clears throat> you know, I feel like, especially like if I start playing like a game, like if it's free to play or it's a mobile game and I like, let's say I put like, let's say I put like 30 hours into a game. Like that's what I would put into like a, like a full title that I would buy at the store for like 60 bucks. Now that doesn't mean I may not put 60 bucks into that game, but you know what I mean? Like that's the perspective I take. Like I'm basically playing a game for the same amount of time that I would be I would be you know buying a full price game for so I don't mind putting some money into the game to support the developer um so yeah I, I don't shy away from it I think that some I think that some developers can be very sneaky about it I think that kind of what you're talking about with Candy Crush I think one of the things one of the, one of the other things that King does is like they introduce you to like power ups early on in that game and they you know and those are like microtransaction things and they give you some free ones to use and then once you get used to using those and run out then you have to buy them. So, you know what I mean? Yes. I think some companies are really getting it down to a science of like, how do we kind of hook the player into like 
buying this stuff. I, I mean, yeah. So I think that, absolutely that's, that's, and, that's, and, it can be kind of sneaky. Yes, it is super true, and a lot and a lot of these companies, as you said, have have really mastered the art of sucking people in and kind of convey, hey, you know, it's ninety nine cents, come on, you know, and then before you know it, how much have you spent? Uh, it's it's a very it's kind of a very cutthroat thing, and I've I've read stuff online of people who have gotten themselves into financial trouble because they couldn't control themselves or they didn't really realize until they took a step back and looked at know their their bank account said wow like i've spent a lot of money on this game and i didn't even really realize it so what you said is interesting because there's really three types of people who play who or i guess i should say people fall into one of three camps generally when it comes to these freemium games there's people who if they're playing free to play they say this is a free to play game and i'm not going to spend a dime on this game i'm going to play it free to play i'm never going to pay for anything and i'm going to try to experience the game even if it's slower full game without having to pay as van mentioned it's possible usually to play these games fully and not actually have to spend any money um on the other hand you've got the people who are like shy in the second camp who um you know they're gonna go maybe a little bit beyond free to play if they play it a lot and they enjoy it they say hey i want to give back a little bit show show some support feel like you know i'm not just stealing this game they took the time to make it obviously i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna you know pay that back and, and you know obviously enhance the enjoyment of the game generally microtransactions make the game better um you know make it more enjoyable but then there's a third category of players and uh this is a little bit more controversy controversial category of class i should say and they're what are we are known that are known as god i'm all over the place today can we do a retake of this, this is terrible we're gonna keep going um the, the third category is the whales whales are uh, a term that we've thrown around a little bit on this podcast and thank you for the whale whale um, sighted <laughs> i speak whale <laughs> oh god there's a finding nemo joke in there i just can't bring it to mind so Whales, Van, are you a whale? No, you're, no. you're kind there of borderline, point, though, don't you? There think? Was, what, are you what are you saying about his uh, about his physique? What are you uh, saying? I have seen. You I in have real a gym life, subscription. How okay, not a premium gym, it? not a premium gym, but a gym subscription. I don't use it, but I have it. Anyways, um, you know what? I, I, it's it's a hard question to answer um i used to think that quite possibly i was when i probably put out maybe between realistically two and four hundred dollars that's probably probably much two to three hundred dollars uh, for planet side between my wife and i uh, when we were playing because in planet side it's 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 a freemium game you get the whole game for free however if you want to upgrade your weapons you want to get new weapons you want to upgrade your tanks whatever you can actually pay um, real money to get the in-game currency, which at the time was Station Cash when it was owned by um, PlayStation Online, and now it's no longer a PSO game. It's actually bought by Daybreak. Daybreak has Daybreak Cash, but in order to um, to upgrade these weapons, because I just didn't want to put in the time, um, I would buy the 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 Station Cash and just buy the weapons myself instead of using certs, which may have taken a week to to scrounge up. I was able to work for X amount of hours and just buy it real quick, or even minutes. Realistically, is what it came out to. And it's not because I made a lot of money; it's just because it was relatively inexpensive. And that's a whole nother conversation about why people make in-game transactions that we may want to talk about in another podcast. But I made a really simple answer, very long. Yeah. So did. I thought I was by spending hundreds of dollars on a on a free video game because I, I know not many people will spend hundreds of dollars on a free video game. Then I found out what a whale was, and, and I realized that I am not. And let's talk about that. Shy, you have a good definition of a whale? 
I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, a whale is someone who, like, like Van was saying, he wasn't a whale. A whale is someone who spends thousands of dollars on a video game, <laughs> like a, For a, a free week. and a free video game. Yeah, and, and we're not, yeah, I mean, we're not talking about like they throw a thousand dollars at it. Like we're talking about like a regular, regular thousand, multi-thousand dollar purchases over time. And so, you know. And on, and on mobile games, I think that's what what some people like. You know, um, I mean, Candy Crush may not be a good example, but like something like, um, you know, we, I mean, we've talked about um, Final the Fantasy M- Record Keeper. Well, I think yeah, is maybe a great the, example. yeah, maybe Final Fantasy Record Keeper. I'm sure that I mean, I'm playing a game right now, Soccer Spirits, that I'm sure is a good example. And I think like a good example for all of us, we all tried that. I mean, going, I mean, whales apply across. We talked about whales, obviously, when we talked about Arc Age the other day. But like, you know, there were, you know, I mean, like even in MMOs, there's whales. But yeah, I mean, people that you know probably put ten, twenty thousand dollars into these games and and have this kind of have this wealth you know i mean there, there it's not people like you said that get into financial trouble and maybe maybe there are some who would be considered whales but it's it's a, a, a certain percentage of the world population who are very wealthy and who can just drop that kind of money at the at the drop of a hat right i mean they could just make a you know throw a thousand dollars at a game and not not feel the the uh the pain and from it, it it may sound indolable but it i mean i think we've seen you know screenshots and evidence like there are legitimately people who will who will pay you know you know ten ten thousand dollars over the course of a game maybe even more uh to in microtransactions in 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 a lot of different things and um it's interesting because whales have a have a kind of a negative connotation i think there's probably two reasons for that and maybe you guys can think of more i'd like to hear it but i think there's really two types of games Right there's games that have a competitive aspect, and there's games that are pretty much single player, right? And so a whale in a single player game, I think if you don't like a whale in a game like that, it's it's usually a jealousy thing, in my opinion, right? Like because in a game that's completely single player, what does it, you know, what does it matter whether they're spending a lot of money or not? It doesn't really affect right. anything. There's not an in-game economy. You... There's not a a head-to-head matchup. You, you should know, probably like, like that whale, right? Because they're supporting that game. They're I mean, supporting the game. If you can play it for free you, and that's, that's run money at it, that's like, why supporting it's free, it. right? But then there's, an, you know, you take a game like Arcage, which um, I really think we're going to have a podcast about that sometime soon, so you guys can really look forward to that. I just I need like to let to it say. all out. <laughs> but, you know, that's a game that has in-world PvP. And so if you're paying, you know, if I'm playing for free and the guy next to me is paying $10,000 for his items and weapons and, and, and boosts and things that give him an advantage, um, that's not a level playing field. And so I think a, a lot of times you, you hear that term uh, uh, that comes up a lot, which is called pay to win. Right. And the idea that that in a in a microtransaction or, or a lot of times these free to play games, the option is there to pay for services that give you a significant advantage in the game. Um, and so I think for that reason, whales are, are a lot of times looked down upon. And I think maybe that's just the idea that, you know, a lot of people, whether it's true or not, they think it's dumb to spend that kind of money on a video game. Right, like that's a dumb purchase, and not, I'm not really in the business of spending other people's money. I feel like if it makes you happy, you, you do what you want. But a lot of people really do look down on somebody who would spend a thousand dollars on, you know, a, you know, a, a cell phone game, especially if it's detrimental to your health or your well-being or your livelihood oh, sure. or, or whatever. But here's a here's a staggering, absolutely staggering statistic, and it's from Forbes, and I've I've heard another one from Kotaku and a couple other places. This one is the most recent one, and it says. 0.15%, so less than a percent, 0.15% of mobile 
players are responsible for 50% of the revenue in that mobile game. The other statistic I've heard, which correlates with this one, or I should say corroborates this one, is that 1% to 2% make up for 90% of all profitability in a mobile game. And that's due through the microtransactions. So it's 0.15% of the population who play that game make up 50% of the, the game's revenue. That's incredibly staggering. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's why everybody's trying to get into this freemium model. Like, you can get rich if you can develop a game that people like enough, uh, you know, to to get just you know to just net a whale or two. Dude, with, yeah, with and this stat, boom. And, and actually, that's a really good analogy to net a whale. With this yep. stat, you really need fifteen out of what a hundred people to to like your game. That's a terrible, terrible game. If only fifteen out of hundred people like it, but that's all you really need well, to, to be but, successful. But see, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on that. You only need fifteen out of a hundred, and that would be fifteen percent. You said one point five percent. I'm sorry, I'm completely off. So fifteen off. out of a thousand. Yeah, fifteen out of a thousand but, people. But, yeah. But but that but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on that. It's not that those fifteen have to like it. Those fifteen have to like it enough to be willing to drop big Fair money enough. on it. They have to you be need obsessed that other, with it. Yep, you need that right. other thousand to play because if it's not a popular game and no one else is playing it, chances are you know your whale. It's gonna not on your list no, 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 when you're in your yep. game search. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody's and, tweeting and, about it. Nobody's Facebooking mm-hmm. about it. And so and so that's why the freemium model is free to play. That's why you know if if you want to play it for free, you can. And a lot of these games do a lot to give you free currency to get you know to not make it too arduous to make it so that if you have a little patience, you can enjoy the whole game because you're not. They don't really care if you play for free. They don't care if ninety nine of you play for free. They just need that one guy who's going to drop <laughs> ten, twenty thousand dollars on their game that costs a hundred dollars to develop and you know twenty five bucks right. a month to maintain, and then you get some crazy cash. So that's that's the story of freemium, and that's why everybody's trying to get in there. Uh, you guys got anything else before we we, we take our break? Anything anything no, else you was... want to touch on that we didn't get to? That was awesome. That was really good. Very good discussion for you. All right. All right. Um, so, so now you guys know a little bit about what the current state is with cell phone games. When we come back from our break, we're going to bring in the handheld consoles like the PS Vita and the Nintendo 3DS, which up until fairly recently, really up until the, the domination of the smartphone age, that was how you played your mobile games. Like they were the only choice, the Game Boy, uh, the Tetrises of the world, right? And so we're going to just talk a little bit about the differences and, and, and maybe what the future looks like um, in the new landscape. So look forward to that. Yar, Captain Ahab, that be me name, but I am the whale in this free-to-play game. Dropping all me loot on an in-app purchase may have cost a pretty penny, but maybe it was worth it. Now because I get a leg up, all you haters call me gay, but it's my addiction to whaling that keeps your game free-to-play. So let's just enjoy the game together like a gang of baller pimps. I can be the whale, and y'all can be the shrimps! And we are back, and this is the Focus Target Podcast. Um, we had a little stat for you guys that we think you might find very interesting. Van, do you want to do the honors? Um, no, I will let Shy roll, as a matter of fact. And this isn't poor editing, but I think Shy deserves it over myself. 
Well, I think the I think the stat was that uh, Van had mentioned earlier uh, to our viewers that uh, um, just telling them about the fact that Activision had purchased King for five point nine billion dollars. Um, to put that in perspective, we were uh, we we were talking about the fact that Disney, when they bought the rights to Star Wars, paid four billion dollars. So. Activision paid 50% more what they paid for Star Wars for a mobile game company. So if that, if that doesn't tell you what kind of profitabilities these games can have, I don't know what will. Because, I mean, Star Wars? Shit. After the legacy and all they've done and the people involved and the... The Jar Jar Binks? Oh, Oh, never mind. It makes sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was worth, worth five point nine billion dollars before Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, I was gonna say so. They some other podcast. How much did Jar Jar Binks reduce the value of the Star Wars franchise? The world may never know. Okay, let's talk about handhelds. So, um, there's two major handhelds right now in 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 the console. Um, producers space Sony has a handheld called the PS Vita which has uh, interconnectivity with the PS3 and the PS4 and a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of things you can do on your Vita that lets you interact with your PS4 play your games remotely um, play downloaded titles uh, like ported titles I know uh, Van uh, always made me jealous when he was talking about playing Final Fantasy 7 on his Vita um, things like yeah, that yeah it was awesome it was a, it was a- really really good way to go to sleep at night was because normally you had to either sit in front of your computer or in front of your console and i could literally lay in bed playing final fantasy 7 and just go to sweet sweet dreams of aries when i fall asleep <laughs> indeed uh the other side of it is of course nintendo the really the originator of the handheld gaming device uh, i think the game boy was was one of the first if not the first major device that that kind of put handheld gaming on the map they're up to their nintendo i believe is it 3ds is that still the newest one or it is, is one and beyond that it's actually like fourth or fifth generation 3ds where they kept yeah. the same dual screens the same 3d however um it's actually higher picture quality than the other 3ds so similar shape it looks looks similar to anybody else who's just going to look at the two side by side however the the picture quality is much better i see also Uh, called the 3ds sorry yes uh so i have the 3ds but i don't have a vita van i believe you have both correct and shy you have a vita if i'm remembering actually i recently just got rid of it actually oh so you no longer have a vita i no longer have a vita previously did i did and part of that is because i don't know that we can actually really consider the vita to be a viable handheld anymore um this i don't know if you guys had had seen but like a couple weeks ago sony had officially announced that like first party developers are no longer developing games for it and it seems like they're pretty much abandoning I mean, it had never really sold very well in Japan or here, and uh, and it seems like they're they're going to slowly start pushing. I it to wonder the why that is. Hmm, let me think about it. Could be because there were never any games for it. Huh. Yeah, and the fact I think that I read another stat while doing research for this. I do research for these podcasts while doing research for this podcast. Ninety um, percent of all mobile games are on cell phones now in Japan, not consoles or anything like that 90 percent and we're, we're going to talk a, oh go ahead well i was just saying probably like 9.99 percent of the other 10 percent is probably nintendo like like vita i think is nintendo such a is marginal a, sure. such a marginal sure. presence with the vita so we're gonna we are gonna talk a little bit about japan uh, a little bit later but first let's talk a little bit about some of the differences between what you get from a handheld whether it's the Vita or the 3DS, compared to what you'd get on a mobile game. I think the primary thing is that generally the the handhelds tend to be a deeper games. Like traditionally, uh, a handheld is made for somebody who um, is is into gaming, is into console gaming specifically. So your games tend to be more 
fleshed out tend to be uh, a lot more like maybe smaller versions and even now with the, the new generations kind of full versions of what you get from a console game uh, the graphics have caught up really well on these systems uh, so you get a lot of you know deep um you know uh high content games in a lot of these handheld games as opposed to to the mobile games tend a lot of them tend to be a lot more pick up and play right like with a mobile game a lot of them are designed with the idea that you're playing this on a coffee break or you're playing this while you're waiting for the bus right something you can open up make a move take a turn do something play around and then put it back in your pocket and not touch it for a couple hours whereas the handheld version is is it's more like a traditional game that they're expecting you to probably sit down and play you know at least 15 to 30 minutes if not longer not that they don't allow for quick saving and things like that but uh the, the design is a little bit different it's not quite so bite-sized and then secondly, of course, the model is different. Um, you know, right now, I, I don't think there's a, a huge subscription or freemium versions of, of in, in your handheld consoles. I think there's maybe a couple things on, you know, like the Nintendo Marketplace. I don't know how much that is, Van. Maybe you can talk more about it. Do you know, is there a lot of, like, there's not really any free-to-play stuff on the handheld market, is there, uh, for uh console handholds? No, not 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 at all. It's it's more traditionally what we would call um, premium purchases or the one-time purchase to own the entire uh, product. Right, and then while they do, they have expanded a little bit to the point where you can download a lot of stuff directly onto your handheld the way you do on a phone. Uh, I mean, there's still a hard copy of the game, just like a console, where you put in a disc or a cartridge to play the game. So, so, so for, that's obviously a lot. Different. I may have misunderstood, but for Vita, for for the PlayStation Vita and even the the PlayStation, or excuse me, the uh, Nintendo 3DS, you can download full digital copies without owning the physical copy. Yes, that is yeah, correct. Okay. But I, but I think the I don't know that the space on those things no, it's are very, are very, very good. limited, very so, limited so, and expensive. Yeah. So generally, your your library is not. Yes. Like your phone where you've downloaded 100% download. Like you generally are going to have some physical copies and the potential is there to maybe download some but it's not quite as Yes, I see. You know, common. So so those I think those are the primary differences. Uh Vanshai, do you guys have anything anything that I forgot to talk about between the two? No. Good to know that I was thorough. All right. Uh, one of the things we wanted to mention, we touched on earlier, is the cultural difference as well. Uh, and 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 Shai mentioned this in Japan, mobile gaming and specifically cell phone gaming. Although the 3DS does have a pretty big presence in Japan, but it's it's a huge deal over there. And uh, Van, I think Shai, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I mean just mobile and handheld, right? I think that uh, I think that. I think that's where handhelds have have their biggest market. I think is overseas in Japan. I think that the the 3DS and and even when the Vita did sell at all, I think they both sell much better over there than they do over here. Um, and just because I think it's it's more part of the culture. A lot of people commute via you know subway or you know like through some kind of public you know transportation system. Shinkansen. So you you have time during your commute to actually play games versus most of us commute like via car or whatever. Like you don't have you don't have that downtime. Um, and also just I think. Um, it's just more popularized. I think it's more um, like here. I think especially like when the Game Boy was out and a lot of those systems, they were like Game Gear. They were considered more, almost more oriented towards children. Just like highlight titles like Pokemon and stuff like that. And I'm not saying anything about Pokemon. I think that adults can enjoy it. But I think that a lot of 
you know, culture viewed those games more towards a younger demographic. Like they're aimed more towards that. And uh, I think that's kind of like, I think handhelds got kind of pushed into a niche, um, you know, here in the, here in the West. So I think, uh, um, I think that means that, you know, handhelds have done a lot better over there than here. Sure. And I, I mean, I agree. I can't, I can't think of the last time I saw an adult out in public who I didn't know walking around with the 3ds i was gonna say like i can't like who I can't, you didn't know right because we take it all the time like like they, they yeah well they would see me and, and like even that, like sometimes i'm self-conscious i'm like i know these people probably are laughing at me thinking i'm like why is why is this full-grown man playing his 3ds out on the bus stop right. or whatever yeah. and like i don't give a damn but you know i think it's i think it's i think it's it's viewed differently right. for sure you know like when i go you know when i see my son a lot of times in his natural habitat, uh, you know, with other kids, like all those kids have fucking Game Boy Advances, you know, like or or DSs or 3DSs, like they're all over the place. But not a lot, of, not a lot of adults. And I so think that's not definitely only is true. Japan, um, you know, more population play mobile gaming. I also think they were not the originators, but they were first on scene as well. So they are in a more mature market with regards to mobile gaming than we were. I mean, they were ten years ahead of us on the on the video games. Well, I don't know yeah. what ten years is exact, but you know what I mean. They were they were yeah. much earlier culturally involved than we were exposed to it. So I think they've had a little bit longer to mature, adapt, assimilate, whatever you want to call it. It's been a part of their culture longer. When we mentioned Japan too, but I know Korea has a lot of mobile sure, gaming yeah. stuff too. I mean, a lot of the games that Asia. come over here are ported from either China or, or Korea or Japan. So not is, America, a, not America, un-American. All right, so. This kind of all brings us to the million-dollar question, and that is, what is the future of these handheld consoles like the DS, like the Vita? And maybe, maybe we've already talked a little bit about the Vita going down like that when we kind of put together this this uh, the outline for this podcast. I, I didn't know that they had decided to stop the support of the PS Vita. Um, it seems like Nintendo is a lot more committed to their handheld the 3ds i think has sold very well in japan i know it's a lot more popular there but i think it's done well here and i think as i mentioned previously the reason is because it's got some great games 3ds has some really fun games to play that i've enjoyed thoroughly and i've wanted to get a ps vita for a long time and now i guess i'm glad that i held out um like i've been thinking about it but i kept waiting for there to be a game on the vita that i just wanted to own and it never really materialized. Um, Shy, what do you think? Do you think that we will have handhelds three to five years from now that are not cell phones? Well, and I think this is a great question. I wanted to bring up another news story from that happened uh, just this uh, summer. But um, back when uh, when Konami's president made the announcement that they were going to be pursuing heavily mobile game development over console game development, um, this happened mm. back in May. And here's a quote I wanted to read. This is a, I think Van used a Forbes article earlier, and I'm also going to pull from Forbes. Um, and just for all of you listeners, they actually have a pretty good uh, contributor um, who follows gaming pretty well. They actually often have breaking stories. But this was the quote from the uh, the CEO of Konami back from May. Um, he says this. He says, "We'll pursue mobile games aggressively. Our main platform will be mobiles, following the." pay-as-you-play model of games like Power Pro and Winning Eleven with additional content, our games must move from selling things like items to selling things like features. And then he goes on to say, we saw with these games that even people who buy physical games are motivated to buy extra content. The success of Power Pro especially has motivated us to actively push more of our popular series onto mobile than ever before. This is the CEO of Konami, a huge game developer. <laughs> right. That's for those incredible. Of you, for and those I, of you who don't know, Konami is the producers of such series as Silent Hill, Hill, Castlevania, 
Well, I was trying to finish that oh. with some emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'm yes, sorry. Metal Gear Solid being the, the headliner. I guess I should have well, started with them. It was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> a pretty big player yeah. in the space, right? Yeah, this quote came. like He made this announcement after like Silent Hills, the new Silent Hill game that I think was like going to be made in conjunction with like Guillermo del Toro was canceled. And I don't know if you have followed, guys followed the development of that game, PT, that was kind of like the like the horror game by... Uh, like Silent Hillish horror game that was on the PlayStation Store that everybody was talking about, it was really about viral. Like ET's um, evil cousin. <laughs> PT, no. Um, but you know, like, and obviously also Kojima getting fired from Konami. Like a lot of these big things were happening while he made, you know, like shortly before he made the statement. And the gaming, you know, the gaming culture blew up. And and since then he's come back. Like the, Konami's come back and kind of like tried to like correct that statement because there was there was a huge outlash. But you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like I think some of that kind of smacks of like just that, like a like a correction. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if if a lot of large game developers are looking at mobile gaming this way like the fact you know the way he said that how people who buy physical games still buy extra content we're seeing that 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 mentality come into a lot of games we're buying now right you pay full price for a full game but then oh, you yeah. know, there's, there's a way to yeah. pay you know pay money in addition to that and we've talked about that pretty extensively in the past as well right so you tried to describe Konami, and this is kind of humorous, but this is a humorous podcast. You tried to describe Konami as, you know, the titles that they have made and everything, but really to emphasize the importance of Konami, I just want to say if any of you guys out there know a single code in video games that would make your, give you an edge in a video game, <laughs> that is said Konami code. The up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA. That is Konami. That is who Konami is. And that's probably a better example of how important they are and what they've done for the gaming industry. Let's start. Always got to push start at the end of the code. Select start if you're playing with two people. Mm. Wisdom of Konami has been passed through the ages. That is That cannot be doubted. And um, I got that from a yeah. Nintendo Power magazine back in 1986. I don't know if that's the right year. I'll say circa 86. So, so many good Konami games that I used to play when I was a kid. At any rate, let's get back to, to the, the task at hand here, and that's will handhelds continue to be viable? I think there's a couple things that may or may not contribute to that i think one is system exclusive titles i think right now the reason you have a ds the reason you might have had a very vita was because there's a game on that console that you couldn't get anywhere else um one of the problems with that is that cell phones have caught up so well in technology that a lot of games you know full games are able to be played on your cell phone now so who's to say in three to five years whether you know, full DS games don't end up making it to the phone as a port, right? Nintendo. Nintendo? Nintendo is who to say won't that won't happen. Oh, I, right. Who's it, to it say is, Nintendo? Yeah. Right. yeah. But well, I mean, and, if, and they're working if, on mobile games now too, right? I mean, right, the whole the DNA thing, if, initiative. If Apple and, and, you know, the Android makers start cutting them in, start making it profitable for them to have some shared stuff, who knows, right? But but right, I guess that's a good point, right? That's that's one way that people are going to keep buying 3DSs is because there's games on that people want and can't get anywhere else. Um, the, the next thing would be maybe the control interface. So the one drawback to, to mobile gaming a lot of times is games, especially ported games, or, or as these games get more and more complex and more like console games or computer games, is you don't necessarily have have the same control interface like a touch screen sometimes cannot replace a joystick and buttons and you know all the stuff that comes into that um, but there may be something on the horizon for phones that combats that problem van did you want to talk about that one yeah i just uh it's that that's probably the biggest um turnoff for me 
with regards to um, mobile gaming on a cell phone as, a per, as opposed to a PlayStation Vita or a Nintendo DS. And it has to do with the controls, the peripherals. Um, the analog stick is something that's really, really, really hard to mimic on a flat, smooth screen um, where you're right that most mobile, and maybe this is why most mobile games are produced the way they are, where it's tap button here, tap action there. It's not so much roll your character to the right, roll your character to the left in a flying racing game, something like that. It's push button to accomplish an objective as opposed to fluid um, movement to get from point A to point B or, or, or something like that. So the, the, and they've done some pretty creative things like with button tapping, they've added vibration. So it actually feels like you're, you're physically tapping something instead of just a flat screen that has no, no uh, rebound or, or compression or anything like that. Um, but that's probably the biggest turnoff and the reason why I personally cannot get into gaming on a phone or something like that is that flat screen. I can't get past that. And maybe it's the way I grew up where I've always played with the, like you were talking about the Nintendo Game Boy or the first generation PlayStation handhelds or something like that where, you know, and even those had terrible analog sticks, but at least they had something there, a bumper of some type. But that's that's the biggest thing that I can't I can't get past. And I one of the reasons why I feel like uh, gaming will not go away as far as uh, handheld games devices go is because of the controls. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones as well as the exclusive titles that you talked about earlier. So... Speaking of the handhelds, there's another um, thing that we would want to talk about for the future, and that's uh, if, if any of you are familiar with the Wii U, which is the Nintendo's current, uh, quote unquote, you know, current generation console. The controller of the Wii U actually has a screen in it, um, you know, inside the controller, um, and so that makes us wonder: is is there going to be some future of the Nintendo consoles that that incorporates mobile gaming as well, even as a part of the console. Uh, Shai, did you have any information about the NX? Or the, is it the NYX? How do, you, how do they say that? Yeah, I think, well, so it's a working, it's a working title. The NX Work. is a working title. I've, okay. I've heard it pronounced NX. I've never heard anyone pronounce the NYX. But uh, okay. back in October, mid-October, October 16th, um, the Wall Street Journal, it's very interesting, all these, like, prestigious journals like Forbes and Wall Street Journal are, like, releasing these game-breaking, you know, these breaking news about video game consoles is becoming, you know, big business. But they, they released a, a story about, um, about it was about um, the fact that NX developer kits were starting to get distributed. But part of it was... Um, a quotation from Nintendo where it was talking about uh, it was talking about basically how the the unit is going to involve and this is in quotes at least one mobile unit that could either be used in conjunction with the console or taken on the road for separate use. So I think they've already said that there will be a mobile p portion of the NX, whatever that looks like. Is it going to be a gamepad like the Wii U? Is it not? Is it going to be a whole separate thing? Will there be like an NX family of you know like devices and like there'll be a mobile mobile one? We don't know, but they're, they're, Nintendo is going to still support handhelds. So, do you think that that would be essentially the same thing as your next PlayStation Five or, or or say PlayStation Four was released with a Vita? Is that kind of what they were saying? Because like you said, the Vita is completely cross. Not cross-platform, because it's the same platform, or similar platform, but you can play your entire PlayStation 4 library and the, the game um, on your PlayStation Vita, and it sounds like that's exactly what Nintendo was talking about. So did PlayStation have the edge on them for that, and do you think that they're essentially saying the same exact thing, that would be a PlayStation 4 released with a Vita? I think there's a lot of speculation in that direction that it would be something that you could like be playing on your net, your like physical console NX and need to go like go somewhere and you could just like pick it up and like continue it on the device. But then Nintendo has not like released details about this at all, so it's all speculation gotcha. right now what that means. 
Roger. Thanks. Yeah, well, it was that stay tuned. And I mean, obviously, as we learn things, we'll try to bring it to our fair listeners. Uh, Van, do you have something on NVIDIA Shield that you wanted to mention in relation to this as well? Yeah, the, the, the just want to respond to the question of will handhelds continue to be viable in three to five years? Um, it, it, the question is begged when you realize that NVIDIA is, is developing or has been developing a portable handheld device to compete with um, really the two big players, which is the PlayStation Vita and the Nintendo um, 3DS. Are they going to call NVIDIA, it the NVIDIA gauge? They, no, it's called the Shield. You said it yourself. Uh, I, I was making a joke. Don't you remember the N gauge? Yeah, the N gauge. I remember the N gauge. Yeah. Like, I don't want Nobody to. Nobody played it. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was an it. Nvidia, though, right? Wasn't that Nokia? Or... No, but yeah. yeah, it was Nokia. But yeah, yeah it was a uh, joke. I'm sorry. I apologize but... <laughs> to the community. <laughs> Man, I know how you feel, smiling. We'll <laughs> but anyways, the point I wanted to make was that Nvidia, um, a huge, huge, huge player in the gaming industry. Um, you know, if they're not in your console, they're in your PC, um, in any any gaming PC. So, um, but they felt it a good, um, you know, strategy Investment. to develop a handheld device. Yeah, exactly. That that somebody else can take around with them. And and I I want to say they have some ties to Microsoft. I think Nvidia. I'll I'll look into that and verify, and it'll be a cleanup for next week. But um, they feel the need that to develop a handheld device. So if that's any indication of whether they're going somewhere or not. Um, you know, NVIDIA then might be on the right or wrong track. And I'm, I'm thinking that they're on the right track. I can't see handhelds personally going away in three to five years. They're, they're going to be around. All right. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap this one up? I wanted to come back just to a quick, quick point about uh, yeah. the control interface with the, with the phones and Van's point about how it's just not the same as, as a handheld. Um, I think that's a convenience issue because I mean you can easily I just I, I did a Google search of like gaming add-ons for your phone and at GameStop you can for ten bucks buy basically something you plug your phone into and it's like a controller for like mobile games that support that so I think right. it's a convenient See, thing where it's not built into what... your phone but I think that like <laughs> very cheaply if you were a dedicated mobile gamer you could you could get the controls if you know, the app supported it. That's what I thought Van was going to talk about, and then he didn't, and I got sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's something, actually. I'm looking more into the NVIDIA Shield. NVIDIA actually sells a handheld controller that mm-hmm. will Bluetooth into your phone, and it's $199, and it looks like an Xbox controller. I don't yeah. think they're related to Microsoft. I think NVIDIA is only NVIDIA. I don't think they have any partners in this development for the Shield. I know they're separate companies, but I thought one may have been helping the other in development. Doesn't seem not, does not seem to be the case. So I wonder with a controller like that, like what, how many games would support it? You know, like it seems like, yeah, like it, it seems like it's, I don't know, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how that worked. And I think, I mean, there's specific games, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever tried any, but there's like, you can get Dungeon Crawler games on your phone that have like the virtual joysticks right on the screen. And I think yes. those are, those are the ones I would think would, would theoretically work with a controller yeah. type of plug-in yeah. or a Bluetooth controller because it's built in. Like, I mean, you're not going to be using a controller with Candy Crush Saga to like, maybe you right. could, I don't know, I doubt it that yeah, some of that, those games, it. you know. Well, yeah, I mean, some of the games are specifically designed around the touch screen. Others, especially ports, are not. And I mean, I, that's what I've found with, I've, I've tried a couple different ports. Like, I tried a port of Mega Man 2, the old Nintendo game, and I couldn't get into it because, like, just the, they tried with the control interface, but it just didn't feel the same trying to do it on the touch screen, and I didn't have the level of control required to play a game like that. On the other hand, a couple of the Final Fantasy games, earlier Final Fantasy games that have been ported over, actually controlled pretty well. Um, like you said, with kind of using a virtual joystick, and and like it wasn't it wasn't that obnoxious. So hard to say. 
Well, all right, gentlemen, I appreciate your thoughts on this matter today. And uh, to our listeners, we appreciate you for listening to us. If you'd like to give us your feedback about uh, your thoughts on this, what you feel like the future of handheld gaming looks like three to five years, we would love to hear from it. Haven't gotten a lot of uh, feedback so far, so, I mean, you could be one of the first. Get on that if you want to. You can find us at Twitter at FocusTarget.com. We are still on YouTube, this episode and our next episode uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, we can be emailed at FocusTargetPodcast at gmail.com and our blog is FocusTarget.wordpress.com and, of course, you can follow us and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes now, which is just very, very exciting me because that makes us feel like a real podcast all right everyone this is focus targets thanks for coming along i'm smiley shot and this is van and a very special as always follow us porkins we're out <laughs>